everybody to Forward Pressing episode 38, almost at the big 4-0. I am Kevin. Yan is here. How you doing, bro? Doing good, bro. Doing good. College football is back. College football is back. NFL is back soon. Get international break this week. Do you like international break or do you hate it? Uh, it can get, sometimes it's interesting, sometimes it's less interesting. I think this time it's interesting because it's actual qualifiers. When, but when it's like dead games like like uh, England, Montenegro, then it's not that interesting. But I think this this week has been this week's been good. I hate international break, but I'm kind of excited. Like I usually hate international break, but I'm happy about it this time around because when we get back from international break. I mean, we got a couple of players on United that, that are a little bit injured and we'll get some players coming in. Ronaldo um, gives him time to settle in. New record, by the way. Huh? New record, by the way. Mm. It's true, eh? He's the, what, the greatest international uh, goal scorer of all time? Man goal scorer. There's like, I think I saw the list is like four women. I think there's like four women goal scorers and then there's him. I think the leader is Christine Sinclair so far. Yeah, it's Christine Sinclair from Canada, baby. Represent. Hey. Gold medalist. Gold medalist. But, yeah, so this time around, when after international break, we get United back with Ronaldo against Newcastle. That's going to be fun. So I'm just kind of excited to get players a little bit more healthy. I know Rashford is still dealing with his shoulder stuff, I think. So, um, I mean, we got a lot of Premier League stuff to talk about. The transfer window closed. Um, I think we're going to talk about transfers that didn't happen, that should have happened. Uh, teams that didn't not address stuff they should have addressed. Um, and we got a couple other moves that are pretty interesting. I mean, Chelsea did really good business, I think. Um, Chelsea probably has top three transfer window this this time around, right? Over In the Premier overall? Overall, I think. I mean, top two, I think it has to be PSG and United. To be honest, I would say... I'll put Chelsea in the top three, but I would probably put them above United in a sense. You think Chelsea had a better transfer window than United? Chelsea has a better team than United, but I don't know if they had a better transfer window. Well, I think they do because you even you mentioned last week that they weren't able to answer or like get a midfielder for the transfer window. And then Chelsea got one last minute and it's a quality one too. So yeah, they got on loan to Saul, who we wanted apparently. If we could have got Saul on loan, I don't know why we could we didn't do it, but Cause that's we were linked to him. We were linked to Ruben Neves. We were linked to uh, Camavinga. Like Camavinga to Madrid. That's interesting to me. That last second too that happened. Like it was kind of like PSG United, and then out of nowhere, Madrid pulls out of Mbappe, and Madrid gets Camavinga like right after, like literally within hours. Um, that's that's a great signing for them. Um, I think it's a great signing for them, but I don't know if it's a great signing for him. I feel like it's an early, like it happens too soon. Like it is. I feel like it's. It gave me Hamas vibes a little bit. Not, not maybe not Hamas vibes. Hamas uh, was already proven when he went to Madrid. Like, Kamavinga still hasn't, he doesn't have, I mean, he's, he's obviously been in the national team process. He scored there, but he's still, I think he's still, he's not like, he's not the final product yet. He's not established, he's not established yet. yet. He's like a super exciting prospect with a lot of talent that definitely can make an impact on the teams that are a little bit less uh, deep. Um, but I think the move, the jump is probably a big one. It gives me like, uh, who's the striker that went to Madrid that flopped? Jovic? Was it Jovic? Luka Jovic. Yeah. Jovic. It gives me Jovic vibes where he like kind of was like killing it in 
what was it, Frankfurt? Was it Frankfurt? And then he went to Madrid and stunked it up. I can see the similarities. But I wouldn't say he was too young, Jovic. No, Jovic wasn't young. Jovic was about the right age. Kamavinga is what? He's still like a teenager, right? He's like, what, 19? He's not. He's not. I don't think he's 20 yet. Yeah, no, I don't think he's 20. I think he's 18 or 19, which is insane. Um, But I guess the thing that this means for me is, I mean, Madrid don't get Mbappe, right? This was Project Mbappe this season. Um, They can really get like, I mean, they're getting Mbappe for free next year. The loser is PSG in this in that deal, I think. The loser is PSG. I mean, P- will the loser be PSG if they win the Champions League and they win the league and they win the the league and cup? Like if they win the treble this season, I mean, that's their hope. That's their hope. If they if they don't win it, then that then they really lose because they're losing Mbappe regardless next year. Winning the league for the league means nothing. Winning the league cup for the league means nothing. It's all about the Champions League. Um, if they don't win the Champions League this season, they lose Mbappe on a free. That's terrible business. Like they turned down two hundred mil, two hundred mil for 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 Mbappe this season, knowing that they're gonna lose him for free next season. I don't know. He should have went for more, but I don't know. I don't know how you turn that down. But I think if you gotta think about like where PSG's like from PSG's standpoint, like okay, Nazar is either very petty or he's thinking, uh, or they're thinking like okay, two hundred million for us isn't that much. I think I think that's what it was. I think it was 200 mil is not that much for us. And I think maybe the, they they try to think that maybe they convince him to stay. Who knows? Because like above, there's obviously the like the Qataris that run PSG, right? And for them, like 200 million isn't like big of a deal apparently. And even if you think like marketing wise, like having Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, you're gonna get a lot of money in the marketing if you sell that well. For sure, but money was never an issue for them. Yeah, it was never the issue. Which is probably why they ended up not selling him. It feels like it does feel like Mbappe is kind of, kind of like being held hostage though, because he really wanted to leave. He is. He's he's been wanting out for over a year. They got messy, so maybe he thought like finally, like I have an excuse, like I can buy, they can afford to let me leave because they've already got my replacement basically, and they were like, nah. They they wish he stayed. They wish he becomes like a a PSG legend like he's placed his whole career there kind of like how Messi did at Barca until now and he's a homegrown kid exactly so I guess they really wanted they wanted Mbappe to stay they wanted Mbappe to want to stay but he clearly does not he wants bigger better projects right now everybody knows like even like I think I saw an interview from Benzema recently I think today it was like a clip of what he an interview he did recently because he's obviously within the French national team with him and like he's he's obviously he's basically said that like obviously we gotta respect the club and stuff and PSG and stuff, but like everybody knows that sooner or later he'll be a Madrid player. It's a matter, it's only a matter of time. It is, and it's gonna take one more year. Yeah, it's just it's just delaying the inevitable at this point. But what I'm thinking is like for Madrid, this could be like a blessing in disguise because they don't spend 200 mil on Mbappe right now. They get him for free next year, and they have the 200 the 200 mil they would have spent this year. They have that to spend next year on top of the money they would have had next year to spend. And they get Mbappe on a free. That's like maybe what? You get 350 mil to, to spend next season with Mbappe on a free? Like, that, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be Madrid summer next year. You, maybe you sell Hazard. Who knows? Maybe you sell Bale. Like, some of these players are, are not there anymore. You bring in... I mean, you got Kamavinga one year under his belt under with a Madrid shirt. Um. They got Alaba. They'll they'll buy another defender. 
No, for sure. I think Militao is very serviceable. They all they have like they have a they have like good defensemen. They don't have great defensemen. And Madrid always had great defensemen. They just lost Varane and Ramos, so it's a, they're in a tough position. But they'll they'll definitely buy a center back next season. They're gonna buy a, they're gonna buy a a winger next season. They'll buy another midfielder next season. Exactly. Cruz and Modric are world class, but they can only last you so long. They're getting to the end of their uh, their juice. I mean, they got Camavinga for that, which is probably a great signing. If he if he ends up being a whole better player, then who knows? He, if he's like end up being a whole better player, then like forty million would be nothing for him. It'll just feel like a steal from Madrid. Exactly, and who, like we're gonna talk about like transfers that didn't happen. I mean, Madrid didn't do much business because they were they were all in on Mbappe this season. But I mean, I could see like a player that I could see Madrid maybe going for next season is Van de Beek. Honestly, I think he. He probably fits what they want there pretty well. And United obviously are not playing him. Like, that's, this is a player that – this is a transfer that should have happened going somewhere else, like Van de Beek leaving United because he's not playing at United. He has offers from other places that United, like, weren't even listening to. And United are putting uh, Jesse Lingard and Scott McTominay over him on the depth chart. So, I don't know. Do you think – I like the Van de Beek. I like the Van de Beek to Madrid. Right, I think I think that would be a really good fit. I had I I had him going to Dortmund as well as as not only just him but Hassan Odon as well because I feel like Dortmund are well. I mean, first of all, both players are in major need of like playing time. They need to play, especially Van der Beek, but like Hassan Odon like badly as well because I feel like he's on he's been very underused, pretty much, and that cost him the Euros. Even though I think he was injured too at that time. Uh, and then I think from a dormant standpoint, like you can't just rely on Haaland for the whole season, even though you have Malin. But I don't even think that Sancho, like Malin is a right replacement for Sancho because he's not a creator. He's a he's a goal scorer as well. So I feel like in terms of like goal creation, Hassan Odoi and Van de Beek would have been like good options for Dortmund. And plus also they play Champions League. So I feel like it's, it's always a plus to get Champions League. I mean, it's, a, it's always an attractive asset to bring quality players, but quality player, young players as well as well. Dorman are in a tough pickle because, like, all the regs are kind of in Holland's basket and he's not staying there next year either. Yeah, we all know Holland's leaving next year. So, so, so that's going to be in tricky. Where's he going? Could he go to Madrid with Mbappe? That could be insane. I could see that happening. But then what do you do with Benzema? You find room for Benzema and Holland, bro. You, you can. You would play Benzema as a 10. Yeah, you play Holland on top and Mbappe has no problem playing on the wing. But he does want to play up top as well sometimes. They, they can mix and match. I'm sure they can make it work. If I'm if I'm Madrid, I, I'm definitely inquiring about that. But if he doesn't go there, like he probably goes to where City. I mean, that would be the most logical option. Because they didn't get it. They didn't get a, a striker. They should have got a striker this this window. They did not. They were. Yeah, maybe United. Maybe United. Honestly, like I can see that too. Like we got the, we didn't sign a. I mean, Ronaldo is not the permanent uh, future option at the top. He's here for two seasons, right? And he could play on the wing. Well, not anymore. Not in not in the prem. I don't think he can play on the wing in the prem anymore. It's tough because of the how fast the game is, and and he he's adapted his game really well over the years to still be world class and and change his style of play. His his most impactful are I mean his best games nowadays are like when he plays as a nine or up top by himself. Really, he's like a poacher basically. Um, 
I'm expecting him to get how many goals do you think he's getting for United this season? I'd say about 15, 15 plus, maybe. If he gets 20, are you going to be impressed? No, because we're talking about, I mean, in the, in the Prem or like overall? Uh, in the Prem only. In the Prem, I'd say 15 plus, but if he gets 20, I wouldn't be surprised because it is Ronaldo we're talking it about. It is Ronaldo, right? Man, I'm excited to watch that. I was too young the last time he was at United. And I've done a lot of Ronaldo hating in my time because I, I think Messi is better. And when you like Messi or you like Ronaldo, you end up like fighting for one and putting down the other. So I've done a lot of uh, negative Ronaldo talk, but obviously acknowledging how amazing he is and the second greatest player of all time just behind Messi. I think it's okay to like both. You, you can like both, but I feel like we all, we all get caught up in, in the discussion sometimes because like, it's like talking MJ and LeBron, right? Like you, they're both amazing. They're both different generations, the, uh, them, that conversation. So when you end up talking like pro-LeBron and pro-MJ, you kind of like, the way you talk up one is like you kind of talk down the other just by force of habit or like by the nature of the conversation. But both are probably, both are the two greatest of all time, right? I think the same thing here for Messi and Ronaldo. The difference between that, those comparisons is that obviously LeBron and LeBron and Jordan are from two different generations. They didn't play together. And whereas now we have Messi and Ronaldo that, are, that have literally played in the same era. They've played the, almost the exact same amount of games. They have almost reached the exact same goals. And they've, they're pretty much like equal in terms of like stats. I mean, maybe Ronaldo leads, leads a bit more, but I think it's harsh to like, even nowadays, like it's a, it's an old topic. Like it'll never die because people will always argue about this. And like, it, it's not, there's no wrong answer to have. You can like, I, I honestly feel like at this point, there's some things that Ronaldo's better at than Messi's and Messi's is better at than Ronaldo's. And I do, it's always, it's always been like that. And that's not going to change. So I feel like at this point, you just, just appreciate the fact that you were able to witness both at the same time. So, 100%. Witnessing both at the same time in their prime, we're going to consider ourselves lucky in the future. Uh, one more transfer that I wanted to talk about, though. Um, Onana to Inter. So you probably know that Onana had, like, the suspension for doping, like, a year ago, basically. Yeah. And he's scheduled to be back on the field by he's he can train by September, so he's already training now. But he can start only he can only start playing in November. But he didn't get the move, no. He didn't get the move, India. Now he was like linked to like Lyon, Arsenal, and Inter, like the the three biggest ones. And I thought like Ajax was gonna sell him because first of all, you could sell him for, to get some cash because his contract runs out next year or next next summer. And at the same time, like Inter, from a from an Inter, I think Inter was the closest one. So from an Inter perspective, I understand why they don't want to get him now because I guess Andanovic is solid enough for one like one more season, even though he's 37 and he's getting old. Yeah, one more. He can be one more. Do one more season. One more season. Yeah, he can give you one more season, and you can get Onana for free if he doesn't like renew his contract with Ajax, which I don't think he will do. So from an Ajax perspective i feel like it's uh maybe they should have they, they'll regret not selling him especially because he was worth a lot and now he wasn't even that worth he was under 10 million but like last year he was worth at least 30 yeah I, maybe maybe inter didn't want to make the move at this point because they know they could get him next season maybe yeah and also financially they're not in the best situation as well yeah they were selling everybody we're trying to But I, I honestly thought Onana was going to go to Chelsea eventually. Like, I thought that oh, but, uh, be, before, like, Mendy, they were going to consider Onana first. But, I mean, on the, Mendy ended up being a good choice for Chelsea. Yeah, he's been, honestly, like, I've been very impressed with Mendy at Chelsea. Would you consider Chelsea being the best team in the Premier now that they have Saul? They have the, be they have the best squad 
in the Premier League right now. Like I don't even like they have a better squad than Man City, or it's 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 absolutely close. I think the difference is the probably the striker makes a difference because Man City don't have like that like world class striker where Chelsea do with Lukaku. And Havertz, Havertz playing as well as he's been playing. Like I remember, I remember we all used to shit on has uh, on Havertz because he started off extremely slow. Don't say we. Don't say we. Don't. We as as a general pop population were down talking Havertz a lot because he was really not good at the start of his Chelsea career. But he's been one of their best players now. I did say to be patient. You did. I thought I, for, I was also convinced that he was going to be good, but he's been like better than I expected. And that made a, that's making a big difference for them, especially with uh, I mean, Pulisic is injured now, right? Or I think he got COVID. So, um, but they have an extremely strong squad with Conte still doing Conte things in that midfield. Um, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of a lot of depth. But now Conte has like re you can replace Conte with Saul as well, and it could be as as, as effective. They add Saul on a, on low on loan. He's like he's a world class midfielder as well. He's not who he used to be. Like he wasn't for he wasn't there at Spain at the, at the he wasn't there at the Euros. If I remember. I still like him a lot. I would have loved him at United. Yeah, I still like him a lot too. I felt like he was gonna get a move a bit, a bit earlier though. But overall, getting him on the loan for forty mil, if he ends up end up paying for him, kind of the same way they got Kovacic as well. They got Kovacic on the loan, and then they ended up getting him uh, for like thirty mil. That's so interesting. I never understood the the loan to buy deals. It's effective though, but I guess no. I guess I understand them. I just didn't think they made sense a lot of the times. But I, I guess I can see why, because the player outperforms, and maybe you get a good deal on if you if you if you like already decided on the price. Because you already set his value before. You already set his value before you're like you before the loan. So exactly. So if he outperforms it, then you get a good deal. But if he doesn't, then you're you don't have to you don't have to pay that much so yeah like i think coaches they got coaches for like 40 where he was in my opinion probably worth more like 50 especially coming from madrid and having the he had two good years he had two good years at chelsea so and speaking of madrid like griezmann back home back to atletico that's that's it's weird because it was so last minute it was it it was not nobody's radar until it happened yeah I guess like Barca really wanted to get him out of the book because he was like taking a lot of their pay. I think it's the wages. The wages were killing them. Yeah, the wages was killing them. I think it was like what? I think it was a, a, around five hundred k. Like four hundred something k. So now that he leaves, do you, I mean I don't know. I, I don't think he's been that successful as people expected him to be, and I think that's fair to say. Do you think he's going to be back to his old self at Atletico, or do you think we get kind of like Barca Griezmann, or what do you think? It depends. I feel like obviously he has a lot of uh like familiarity with the Simeone system, so I don't think he'll to like have any like struggle to adjust. But is he going to start over Felix and uh, maybe Matheus Cunha? He probably starts with him. Probably. Well, I mean that's two, having two false nines at the same time. I think I think either or can play at the top. I don't know how effective that would be. But, like, think about it. They have Suarez, too. They have, they're actually... Atletico's actually loaded now. It's true. They do have Suarez. I forgot they had. They still had Suarez. They're actually loaded, like, attacking-wise. They might be the second... I mean, they're the best team in Spain, in my opinion, right now. But, like, Champions League-wise, they could go for a run. I guess we'll see. Like, that's... That's... 
when you like when you think about like the finesse Atletico did to Barca with Griezmann, isn't that crazy? Oh, Griezmann, not only Griezmann, but Suarez as well. I mean, it's, bro, they they finesse them hard. They got Suarez on a free. He he ended up leading the La Liga in, in goal scoring that year, and they 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 sell Griezmann to to uh, to Barca for how much money? A hundred something, I think it was. A hundred something mil. So they get that and they get that in their pocket. The Griezmann gets on four hundred k salary. They 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 uh, Barca use him. Don't get the best out of him. He kind of sucks there. And then Atletico uh, will get him back a couple of years later um, for free and uh, on back on normal wages. I don't think it was for free. I think I think it was like thirty five something. Uh, basically, in the grand scheme of things, it's like you how much they got for him and how much they bought him back for. Bar- Barca, yeah, Barca lost in that investment, definitely. Oh, huge, huge, huge. Massive loss, massive loss. Terrible business from Barca, man. This is why Messi wanted to leave. Because they don't know how to run a club, apparently, anymore. And I think, uh, was it like two or three of Barca players, like led, like the, the big boys there, like PK, I think, Alba, um, they restructured their contracts to, uh, yeah, Busquets as well, to, uh, to take a pay cut because... Uh, to help Barca out. Yes, all four of them did. That's crazy. Eh? They had to like have half their players take a pay cut, get Messi off the books, get Griezmann off the books just to be able to afford their own team without bringing anybody in. But if they were able to like get Griezmann this late or get rid of Griezmann, wouldn't that be able, wouldn't that have been able to like save Messi or stay keep Messi at Barca? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're just they're still in debt. Who knows? Like, or maybe it was such a last minute deal like that they they weren't even thinking about like getting rid of they couldn't expect they couldn't rely on that to happen and then i mean in the end that puts a lot of pressure on memphis um i think he's, he's gonna be their top goal scorer that's for sure yeah i think he was always going to be the top goal scorer but i feel like now that there's like even though like they got the young on the loan they got very that they got very dutch that barca got dutch but i feel like that's that's still a lot of pressure to put on memphis and even guys like ansu fati who now is a number 10 i don't know how that happened yeah, that's a big move for him. That's on that's that thing that's a lot of pressure on the on the on like a 19-year-old who had like although he had one great season for his age, he had like he's obviously like surpassed expectations. I mean it's his injury, he's Mr. Injury, so yes, now he's he's been injury prone for like the last two, I think the last two years, I'd say. And he's 19. I don't know if that's a smart move to give him the number 10 now. I don't know if you had you I don't know if you had to give someone the number 10. You could have just like not that was real quick. Leave it. Yeah, that was a bit too early to me, too quick. But they, they Barca have like they still have young talent, right? Like they got Ansu Fati, they have Dembele. I mean, uh, I know Memphis is not young, but they have the young in the midfield. He's in the he, Memphis in his in his in his, in his, in his prime. He is. He's what? He's like 26, 27. Like we, I, I don't know why I always thought Memphis was older than he is, but he's he's 26, 27. Like you're in. You're you're in your prime physical abilities, so, um, but everybody besides Memphis is injury prone. Uh, yeah. So like Dembele and Fatu are injury prone. That's the issue with those two. So now do you have to rely? You have to rely on Luke De Young and Frankie, Frankie and Luke De Young, honestly, and then rely on like the Memphis the pie. Like I said, Barca really got Dutch. I kind of like both the Youngs though. I like I like Frankie De Young a lot. Honestly, Van de Beek would fit there really well too. <laughs> Bringing more Dutch, basically make uh, you know how the Portuguese links is like 
all linking up at the Wolverhampton. Now you want to do the same thing for the Dutch at Barcelona? Not, I think, I think now it's doesn't City have more Portuguese players now? Not, nah, I still think Wolves is dominating. Isn't it crazy how Wolves kind of like fell off so hard? They haven't really felt that bad yet. We got to see what happens this season. They came up from the championship and then made a spent a fuck ton of money, got a squad that could actually compete for like Europa League. And then it, it kind of felt all, all fell apart last season. I don't know what happened. Well, I mean, they weren't, I think they had some issues with like the coaching staff and like uh, Nuno Espirito was leaving or staying. And he ended up leaving, but it's, yeah, there was a bit, there was injuries as well. He was injured too early on in the season. Do um, you know another Portuguese guy that they could have got, but they didn't get? Who? Uh, he's not Portuguese, he's actually Canadian, but I think he's Portuguese originally. Uh, have you heard of Stefan Ustakio? Uh, no, he plays for he plays in Portugal. I'm not. Where does he play? Uh, Paco's the Ferreira, but he was like linked to like Porto and Fenerbahce. Interesting. I had seen him play a couple times before. I thought he was decent, but in that because I mean in the Canada Honduras game, the qualifier that happened recently, he looked he was like the best player in the field in my opinion. Like he's a he's really he reminded me of like Moutinho in a sense the way he plays. So, I mean yeah, that's cool, isn't? But I will. Just wanted to mention, like, it sucks that Canada, I think, I mean, we're from uh, East Coast Canada, and I think there's going to be no uh, World Cup games over here, even though, like, the the, the World Cup is being held here, uh, what, in a couple of years? You mean 2026? Yeah, we're not getting any, we're not getting any games uh, on the East Coast. I think Toronto is getting, but not Montreal or anything. I think Montreal, like, declined the option. Yeah, the decline, which sucks. But I mean, the it's not just in Canada. It's obviously like states, Mexico, and Canada. So it's all the entire North America. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why. I don't know why Montreal declined. I'll have to travel to go see a couple of games then. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely we're going for that for sure. That's not even a question. Twenty twenty six, four years, five years away. But I mean, I think we have a chance of qualifying for twenty twenty two first. Based on what I saw from that last game, like Canada Honduras, there's some promising things. Who do we have to beat? We have to beat well, we have to beat Honduras. We have to beat the States at least once. I think Jamaica's in our group is no, I think Mexico's in our group as well. So we have to beat them at least once as well. Um the way that they're doing the qualifier this year is a bit different. I haven't read uh like all the, de- the details on it, and uh, I plan on doing that so just so I have a better understanding. But I know we're in a group with like the States and Mexico and Honduras. These are we're one of the top four teams in our group. It's a matter of like getting the results and we didn't really start well because we had a one, one result against Honduras. I think it was it Thursday on Thursday. Uh, shaky result, even though we should have won the game. I thought Davies was nice as a left winger, um, but he is nice. He's always nice. He's, he's been, he's dominated that left wing. Like I think in the one-on-one situation, there's not that many players in the CONCACAF that can beat Davies one-on-one. I'm, I'm talking about. We're in a group. We're in a group with Bermuda, Aruba, Cayman Islands, and Suriname. This shouldn't, the, we're playing the U.S. Sunday. I think U.S. and Mexico are in our group as well. Unless I'm wrong. We always do is finish first in our group. And I don't think we're going to have an issue finishing first in our group. Right. I got to look at the groups again. Uh, yeah, because we're 4-0 we're, we're right now. And we have 27 goals scored, one goal against. Are you talking about recently? Because the qualifiers just started. But this is for the... I'm looking at the World Cup qualifying. Like 2021? Or 2022, you mean? I think so. That's odd because we... 
we played the first game this Sunday, like on Thursday. So, but there's no chance. Just there's, they're doing the qualifiers for 2022 already, so it has to be. Is it a different World Cup? The next one, up and coming one. No, I know what I'm saying. Like, uh, hold on, let me look. Let me look at this. You said Thursday. Yeah, they played Thursday against Honduras. Okay, so what did I look at before? Oh, but okay, it's one big. Okay, this was it was before. Never mind. So the the groups I looked at, no, no, the groups I, that I just said were were uh, you needed to win that group to get into the playoff stage, which is what we're in right now, where we need to finish top four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have like a big group. Yeah, exactly. It's one big group, eight teams: Mexico, Canada, Honduras, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Panama, USA, Jamaica. Yep. Every team drew except Mexico and Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, so I think so far we should be able to finish top four in this group. I feel like with the, with the squad that we have right now, it shouldn't be. It's it's gonna be tough because Concacaf is harder than people expect, but it should be good. Mexico's gonna getting through. USA is getting through, and then we can beat all the other teams. It's a it's a matter of who finishes. Yeah, it's a matter of who finishes third and fourth. Yeah, I mean the U the US can choke. Anybody can choke. We've seen it happen. We've yeah, we've seen it happen before, but it's obviously a different system than um, than in the past. I think defensively, Canada might have some issues. Like I don't know, I I, I know we have one. I think one solid center back in Stephen Victoria, but Kamal Miller, as much as as much as I've seen po- of positives of him, like recently with Montreal and stuff, he still has some shaky moments in that game. So I'm going to see. I'm wondering. I'm wondering who what's gonna be like the 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 like the most solid partnership, the most consistent partnership. It might be him, but it might also be Daniel Henry. I think it might end up being him in the end. Uh, I think right back, Alistair Johnson is solid. I think he must be. He might be our best option right now. And uh, Richie Loria, who plays for Toronto, it's a, a bit. It's a bit interesting with him because he's a very attacking player that plays fullback for Toronto. But in that game, like when one Canada was in possession, he looked like he was playing center mid, and then when we lost possession, like defensively, he was playing left back. So. He was more of a like inverted inverted fullback, kind of like the Guardiola type when he does with Cancelo, but way more attacking. I think the issue for the other the other another issue from Canada is gonna be finding a natural left back because you can't have Davies play there like long term, and you can't have Loria long term as well because there's gonna be more teams that are gonna play that we're gonna lose possession against where we need an actual legitimate defending fullback. And that's probably the one issue that we have right now. But overall, I think like finishing, we just we we gotta be better on the finishing end of it because um I felt like a one-one draw in the game that I saw, it should have been at least three-one for Canada, especially in that first second half where we dominated the entire second half. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we knock some rust off and we come out strong for the next games. But honestly, if we qualify, I'll be extremely happy. I think we should qualify though. So I think it's good. It's a big step for Canadian football. I think overall, I think we will. I think we will. There's definitely been a lot of progress. Like we're not, this isn't the finished product, but there's definitely a lot of progress in this team. And I'm pretty like looking for, I'm looking forward to like what happens next, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy right now. I'd say I'm pretty optimistic. Speaking of, uh, Speaking of progress, we will cut it. Uh, we'll end the episode uh, soon, but I just wanted to get at least a little bit of uh, Arsenal progress talk in the books before we end it. I know you're trying to avoid Arsenal talk this uh, this episode, but I tried. I tried. 
but I got to do it just a little bit, a couple minutes, two minutes, because I saw the, the clip of your sporting director talk in an interview about the whole process and everything and kind of just trying to calm the nerves and be like, plan. We have to set the foundation for the future and the type of moves you guys are making. Yes, we're spending a lot of money now, but it's all for the future and it's going to pay off in the end. I don't, I mean, listen, I, I get that you got to plan for the future, but you also have to, to win now a little bit. He said, like, if we have like four or five holes, we buy like two big players for now. That just doesn't, that won't work out. We won't win now either way. So it's better to um, buy maybe three or four players that are setting up for the future and then fix the other holes as we go after. But I mean, do you think you have a plan? Like, do you think Arteta's here for the plan? Like, if we have a plan, and assuming that we do, I, I think Arteta's got to be there for the plan. If you have a plan, you stuck with him this far, and shit's got bad. So, if you haven't sacked him yet, I think he's gonna follow through until this quote unquote plan realizes itself, and then we see if it works out or not. Right. Um, I mean, if we have a plan, I don't really know what it is, and I don't really see what it looks it's gonna look like. That's the thing for me. It's like I don't really see based on the transfers that we've done so far some of them were interesting like the recent the most recent one the Tomiyasu one I thought it was interesting because he's pretty versatile and he could be a, a good uh, asset for us I, I've seen him play before and I, I I like him as a defender I'm just surprised that we went for it last that last that like late doesn't he play center back he plays center back and right back he plays both and apparently like Atalanta wanted him as well I think Spurs were on him a few teams were on him, but I'm surprised that we were the one that got him. That's a bit of an interesting... It's interesting to me. I would have thought you guys might be splurged on a midfielder or something, but... That's that's the thing. It's like we've, we've loaded it up on defenders this summer, but we didn't really buy, like, a legitimate midfielder that could help us out creatively or, like, defensively. Even though we know we have part 10. Sambi Lokomba is, like, a good midfielder, but I think he's a prospect. He's not the finished product yet. I think part coming back is going to be nice. But I'm just hoping Partey actually, like, plays like Partey and doesn't kind of, like, lower his level because of the people around him. I'm kind of a little bit nervous about that because Partey's a good player, but I feel like he's a, is a good player that, like, thrives even better under a good system. But if the players around him aren't able to play around him or well enough, it's going to look bad on him, I think. Well, you're only as good as your options, I, I, I guess. And... Right now, Partey's our best option in the midfield with maybe with... He's a great Bush. player. He was a great player when you guys got him, but... He's a great player. Yeah, it's just a matter of him. The thing is, he's been a bit injury-prone as well since he's been with us. Like, he hasn't been... He's been injured way more than he's played, I think. Um, so that's something that we need to, like, uh, address as well. That's what. That's exactly what we should have addressed in this window. Like, and get another quality midfielder. Even on the loan, like, we've we've talked about, like, on loan were pretty option to buy. We could have bought a, a play on loan, especially one that needed a transfer. Like I'm not gonna. I mean, Van. We probably it wouldn't be realistic, but a Van de Beek could have been interesting. Honestly, Van de Beek should go a lot of places, and one of them is now United apparently with how we how we treat him. Van de Beek could have bought a lot of gone a lot of places. Like even a guy like Tammy Abraham. Like even though he left, I think we talked about in the past. Like he would have been a great yeah. He would have been a great player to have, especially because we had the money. It's not even an issue of having money or not. We had the money. We spent on Ben White and like we spent 50 mil on Ben White. You guys spent the most money in the transfer window this year. That's the that, that's crazy. When you look at the, the numbers, it's actually mad. Isn't that crazy? It makes no sense to me. It made no sense to me when I, I thought I thought it was a mistake at first, but yeah, it was it was mad. The fact that we spent more than like 
Madrid, Barca, United, and PSG. Like it was crazy. And Chelsea. It, when you when you when you put on on paper, um, like the names that Arsenal bought this season, the names that PSG got this season, you're like, who spent? Oh, it's not even. It's not even worth it. It's not even worth doing that. Isn't it crazy that you would think that there's no brainer like Messi, Ramos, just those players probably worth double of what the. But they got him for free, so it's like, oh, that's cheap. Isn't that insane? Oh man, man, PSG. All I can all I can say is like Arteta's time is like he needs he needs results, and he's probably gonna get results because the next three games are very winnable. But he needs like convincing results against the bigger teams. If he loses the next game, do you think he's out? No, he's probably not. Well, if he if he's out, you guys are gonna have like an interim manager because I don't know if there's anybody else available right now, right? Conte is available. But I don't. I man, I, I if I'm Conte, I do not want to manage Arsenal. Bro, if he, if Conte is available and if we end up sacking Arteta and Conte is available, give him whatever he wants. I don't care. I know. But do you think Conte wants to go to Arsenal? I think he likes England. If 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 Conte goes to Arsenal and maybe gets you like European football somehow, some way, I mean that's put that man in the history books. I'm not gonna lie. The only place I could see Conte go right now is Madrid, and Ancelotti's already there. So I know. I don't think. I mean. Madrid just got Ancelotti. Like, they just went out of their way to get him, so. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense for them to, like, sack him. Well, I mean, unless, like, Madrid goes very, very bad, then, yes, bring Conte. But I think right now Conte could be a good option for Arsenal if, like, if we're... Do you think he goes international or no? He's already been international. I know. Do you think he goes back? Nah. If it's not Italy, I don't think he's interested. Fair enough. All right. I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode. Anything else you want to say? Uh, nah, I'm good, bro. I'm Gucci. We're good. I'm I'm excited. Next this time next week when we talk, we're gonna have hopefully some uh, good Premier League games to talk about. I am excited. Yeah, we sure will. Damn right. All right, boys and girls, that's gonna do it for episode 38 in the books. Going to remind you guys to follow us on our social medias on Instagram forward underscore pressing on Twitter forward press pod. Make sure you drop us a follow. Um, so you're notified every time the episodes go live. And hopefully we see you guys here next week. Thanks for rocking with us. Thanks for rocking with us. Peace. Peace.